This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Hour two is already upon us. It's uh, flying by today. Let me also just please ask that if you have not already, uh, download Buck Sexton with America now on iTunes. Go on iTunes, look into the search bar, type in Buck Sexton. I'll pop up. And then please click subscribe. And also, if you wouldn't mind, do me a solid and write a description of the podcast. Tell people why they should join us in the Freedom Hut, why they should be a part of Team Buck. Um, The podcast is growing very quickly to that show, and it means a lot to me. So please do help out on that. And uh, it's free, obviously, and it's just the best way that you can vote. Vote yay for the Freedom Hut is to uh, download that podcast and maybe share it with a couple of friends. That would really help out, and I appreciate it. So... The media is obsessed with this White House's uh, secrecy. They believe that this White House is, uh, they believe the White House is obsessed with trying to stop these leaks from happening, which I can understand. I, I can understand why there would be concern among those who don't feel like they can trust their own staff. There are uh, turncoats, not for other nations, but turncoats against the administration in their midst. You should not be working for a White House that you feel a need to publicly undermine with uh, confidential information. Now, I don't mean necessarily classified information, but I mean the sort of information that you have access to when you're in the inner workings of a company. There are any number of places where you can work and you sign an NDA, and it may not have criminal sanctions attached to it, it may be civil, but there's also... Uh, some ethics involved here. There's also that the, the fact that people are putting trust in you. And I think it, it's a very good measure of character to know whether your word matters. And when you say that you will, uh, you will keep someone's confidence and you will keep the confidence of those around you in a professional setting and don't do that, uh, that is underhanded, it's slimy, it's gross, and it's wrong. And I know that right now, see, the press is giddy about this. They think this is fantastic. They couldn't be any happier over what's going on here because as they see it, this is the administration trying to push back against 
those who just want transparency. And, and more importantly, it's politically damaging for this White House. And anything that hurts this White House is good. Anything that is helpful to this White House is bad. That is how the press sees it. And so they get these reports about Spicy, and I say that with some affection. I don't know. I don't know Spicer. So far, I'd, I'd give him a, a B in his role as press secretary, maybe a B minus. Uh, you know, he's okay. I don't think he's been as terrible as they've pretended. But trying to enforce some loyalty within the inner circle of a regime within a White House is is not a, uh, to me at least, is, is not a sign of some sort of tyrannical bent. I think it's completely acceptable for the administration to want people around them who can be trusted and who take the trust placed in them seriously. I, not just on the classified level, but there was also inside the CIA designations of, and I don't want to get into what they were. You may be familiar with them. I don't know if they're talked about publicly, but there was also, hey, this is just for, for your eyes but and, and your knowledge, but this is not to be publicly shared. It's not classified, but let's let's keep this let's keep this among those who have a a professional need to know. Again, not strictly speaking classified. So National Security Act and and federal law doesn't govern it, but it's you, you know, if you were disclosing this, you could be fired. If you were running around telling people about it, they would fire you instead of throw you in prison, right? You disclose classified, you go to prison. You disclose uh, internal agency only um uh, and, you know, that's not the official designation for it, but I'm just saying they had some markings that would be, this is for us, this is for our professional day-to-day duties. And that, and by the way, that stuff is FOIA-able, and it's not that the public can't see it, but it is, um, although I'm actually not sure how that works with some of the designations. It gets complicated. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer who specializes in national security FOIA, although I know one, and we've had him on the show before. The point here being, though, that I, I took that obligation seriously, and I never would have taken it upon myself to leak to the press to damage the administration. I mean, you know, there's there's a level of leak that you can justify on moral grounds. If the if the Obama administration or the Bush administration was uh, executing, after they had been taken into custody, executing uh, Iraqis who were suspected of terrorism without trial, uh, and this was a policy and this was happening and I knew about it, yeah, I would have raised red flags. And if those red flags didn't get attention and didn't get immediate redress, maybe I would have gone to the press. But I also would have gone to the press with the knowledge that I was going to be resigning, losing my career, and possibly facing charges. But in that instance, I know that I would have, this is of course a hypothetical, I'd be able to look my fellow Americans in the eye and say, this was going on. I tried to go through channels. It did not work. I went to the media because I had no choice. If you think I should serve prison time for that, I will stand before you now and be judged by a jury. And I would hope that the jury, if in this circumstance, would have seen my actions as those of a patriot and they would have uh, not sent me to prison. (laughs) And the administration, knowing that, wouldn't have even brought the charges because if you're righteous, that can, in very limited circumstances, override the uh, right to secrecy that the government has. Okay. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is people are finding out information that's embarrassing to the Trump administration, and they're releasing that information to harm the Trump administration, and it has nothing to do with exposing uh, humanitarian violations or uh, violating codes of ethics or the law. This is just, oh, isn't this, this is high school girl stuff. No offense, high school girls. If you're listening to the show, you guys are great too. But this is high school girl stuff. 
it's gossip dressed up as news. And the media loves this. And here's Jake Tapper speaking to Jeff Zeleny, one of their chief political correspondents, talking about how they're trying to track down leakers. And, oh, isn't this just so funny? Jeff, let me ask you. Sean Spicer also told his staff not to leak news of his anti-leaking meeting. So how do you and I know about it? Well, Jake, it leaked, and that is a uh, <laughs> here uh, journalism 101, or how you do uh, Washington journalism 101, perhaps. Some leaks uh, are sanctioned. Some leaks are not sanctioned. All leaks are not created equally. No one knows that more, perhaps, than the president himself, who has spent a lifetime in New York dealing with tabloid reporters and others. But I am told that the president signed off personally on that meeting last week of Sean Spicer deciding to ask some of his uh, staffers to see their phones, to see if any of them were using those apps, like you mentioned, Sigil and Confide, which basically um, allow you to send messages and they disappear, sort of like Snapchat, slightly different. But I'm told that that was sanctioned by the president. He knew about this and it is a it was designed to send a signal across this government entirely, not just here in the White House, that they do not want leaks to happen. So sometimes to send you know who also didn't want leaks to happen? Obama. But you know what he did to leakers? He threw them in prison. And the press wasn't acting like it was the end of the First Amendment. And the press wasn't acting like Obama was a tyrant. The press wasn't raising all the alarms about it. All the sanctimony. Oh, the sanctimony from the media under this administration. It's just stifling. You choke on it. It's all over the place. There's no escape. Isn't the administration allowed to have personnel working for it? They had many tens of thousands of applicants to work for the administration. Uh, Look, I have my differences with the administration. I'll tell you right now, if they said, Buck, we need you to work in a senior national security role, I would take it. I mean, well, I probably wouldn't be able to leave my jobs, but I'm saying at least in theory, I'd be willing to do it, even though I have disagreements with how they approach certain things and I have my misgivings about, so I'll be honest with you, I have my misgivings about some of the the senior figures in the administration, Uh, not, not Mattis and not McMaster, I'll say that. And uh, I also am am, uh, fond of uh, a number of other, uh, you know, Dr. Gorka and a number of other people who are on the even on the national security side. Uh, But there are some questionable characters in this administration. But I would still if I had the opportunity to serve and I wasn't trying to build out a national radio show that would uh, be the voice of a younger, new conservative movement, not to be grandiose, but that's the plan. Uh, I would serve this administration, but that they need people who are loyal shouldn't be some sort of a punchline. It should be quite obvious. And I I think the media, once again, shows its hand here with loving to cover how they're trying to stop leaks and how there are leaks about the efforts to stop leaks. And they think this is all just so funny. Ha ha ha. But I really don't think it's funny. And I really don't think that people should be taking the perspective on all of this. Uh, that this is just for sport. I mean, this White House has very serious problems and issues that it is trying to address. I don't mean internally. I don't mean the White House chaos. I mean around the world and here at home. And I do believe still that their greatest fear is not that Trump is going to collapse in, in inability and ineptitude, but the greatest fear the left has and the media has is that he'll do just a few things that have a really dramatic positive impact on this country. And then where will they be? All their hatred, all their lies, all their complicity with Hillary. What will that have been about? All right, we got to hit a break. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network.
Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Sexton. Hey team, welcome back to the Freedom Hunt, 888-900-3393 on the phone lines. And uh, also, of course, download uh, my show at night, Buck Sexton with America Now. Go to iTunes or uh, SoundCloud. It also plays on the Blaze Radio, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. if you want to listen there. So I saw a piece in the Wall Street Journal that I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes on here. And I think that, it, once again, I always look at the campus as a microcosm for what's going on in society at large. American universities are uh, much more, um, uh, much more powerful, have much more influence on our lives than I believe anybody would have thought possible in our parents' generation. I mean, the university, maybe our grandparents' generation, the university used to be, and there are some interesting books about this that I've been reading recently, uh, largely about creating uh, or, in a sense, finishing, although finishing school sounds like something else, um, propelling people into leadership positions in society. It was to create leader citizens, really, the, the elite universities now I'm talking about. And now they are viewed as gateways or gatekeepers, better way to put it, uh, to lucrative careers and power. Not, it's not about being leadership, not, not about showing leadership and being a good citizen. It's about, do you get that job at the you know hedge fund? Do you get that job at the global conglomerate? Do you get that job at the top of whatever the law firm is? I mean, I know if you go to law school first, but oftentimes you work there beforehand. So uh, universities have a tremendous amount of cultural influence. And then, of course, also professors now aren't just professors. Many of them get uh, are sit on the seats of boards of major companies. They are TV commentators. They write influential books, and they can even be brought into top positions in government. So universities are very powerful institutions, especially the major ones. I mean, something like Harvard has an over $20 billion, billion with a B, $20 billion endowment. And this piece in the Wall Street Journal is not something that's new to all of us, but I just wanted to reiterate how, how it is worse now than it has ever been. The piece is called College Faculty's New Focus, Don't Offend. And it speaks of the anxiety that professors, especially professors without tenure, feel in their constant, uh, or rather in their everyday speech, in their everyday teaching of classes, in everything that they are doing all the time, they have to be worried. They are supposed to be pushing boundaries, encouraging debate. They're supposed to be expanding 
the minds and more importantly, in some ways, or more specifically, knowledge. Learning is about knowledge. Learning is not about parroting very narrow points of view so that you can fit into those little progressive uh, highways that are predetermined for you to get you to certain places in society. But that's what a lot of these universities have become. And they talk about, for example, a professor who no longer shows movies in his classes, in his film studies class. So this is a, a class This is a, a class where you're supposed to be studying movies, looking at movies. He no longer shows Birth of a Nation uh, because it deals with racism, this piece says. He no longer shows the W.C. Fields film The Bank Dick because it makes fun of blind people or Tootsie because of gender stereotypes. So you can't even watch these movies anymore. You know, one of the reasons I find there's something about Mary to be such an interesting film is it is a great benchmark of what was acceptable in the 90s versus what is acceptable now. It was the only movie I was ever carded to go see. They actually asked for my ID, my state driver's license. I was up in Rhode Island going to see this movie, and they carded me to go see There's Something About Mary. You couldn't make that movie today. You would be picketed. You would be, There would be a huge outcry. Now, you can still download it and watch it, and people will refer to it as funny, but you could not get away with making that movie today. Robin Williams, one of the greatest comedians of his generation or the last few generations, one of the truly uh, a true comedic genius, his career would have been derailed many times over based on his characters and voices. And, and so these professors feel this, but also it's much more broadly based than that. I feel it too. There are so many funny voices that I can do for friends and family uh, that I will not do on radio because I'd be risking my career. There are so many jokes that I would like to make to all of you that aren't meant to harm or degrade, but that would just be sort of funny and poking, you know, poking a bit of fun at whatever it may be. But I know I can't do them because the left destroys. They find that and they destroy. And there's not enough room in the conservative media space for you to seek refuge and have a make a comeback. You know, it's very, very tough if you are ousted because of political insensitivity as a white male Republican to make a comeback in media, honestly, it'd be probably tough to get a job. So I mean, I'm out here as, as sometimes feeling like a ronin, like a wandering samurai. Yes, I have some fantastic employers who have been willing to give me a shot, Glenn Beck, The Blaze, and now Premier Radio Networks. At CNN, they hired me, but they hired me under the pretense that I would be uh, given real opportunity there. But in reality, they wanted me to be a punching bag and I wouldn't play along. So this is, uh, this is our modern reality. And I just, I find it completely appalling. I really do. I, I think that it is a discredit to us now as a country that we have to walk around being so anxious and so unsure all the time of what we say. And those of you who say, oh, well, I do whatever I want, Buck, and you're being oversensitive about this. I'm telling you, you take real risk. You take real risk by uh, putting yourself out there and making certain jokes and writing things on social media. And even though a normal, rational person would see that it's intended to be humorous and not meant to degrade or, or to cross those increasingly hazy boundaries of what is acceptable, this is true for college professors. It is true in media. It's true for anyone who deals in the realm of ideas. Unless you're an accountant, no offense, accountants, especially this time of year, you're essential. But unless you're an accountant or you know, you're in some other non-communications-based uh, profession, you know, maybe if you're a mechanical engineer or you're an, autom- uh, you know, you're an automotive repair, 
But even there, if it's not a part of your job, it's a part of the workplace. You don't know what you can say. And I've never heard a good answer to how we turn this back. A lot of us just sit around getting annoyed and outraged about it. But more and more, I feel like maybe having a White House with a guy who just runs around smashing things, saying things he's not supposed to, being the bull in a china shop of political correctness without any hesitation and without remorse, is that a way to start to turn the tide back against this? Because it's oppressive. I hate it. It actually makes me mad. It makes me mad every day I'm on radio that there are funny voices that I could do that would entertain all of you and that would make me kind of chuckle to myself. There are jokes that I could make. There are all sorts of things I would like to do in the spirit of entertainment and in the spirit of informing. And I know that I can't because even my uh, conservative bosses, uh, my bosses in conservative media, as much as they are free speech advocates and as much as they have backed me and given me a shot and taken risks on me up to this point, I, I don't want to put them through the, oh, Buck needs to be fired because of that joke he made. Or I don't want to put them through having to defend me because of a, and it's just oppressive. It increasingly feels like we are living in a de facto totalitarian state when it comes to speech. And I want to opt out of that. I, I, I need different standards. I need, there, there needs to be real maliciousness and there needs to be a lack of remorse afterwards before someone's going to get fired or demoted or what have you for a statement that was made in good faith in the context of one's profession. That's how I feel about it, at least. But yeah, these professors are all terrified. They're all wimps. They can't show movies anymore. They can't talk about things anymore. They can't assign the same kind of books anymore. It's just nonsense. All right, team, we've got a lot more coming. Uh, 888-900-3393. Also, if you're listening and you haven't before, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Give me a follow. I'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. All right, team, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you with me here. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed uh, last night's show on uh, Buck Sexton with American Now. Always good times, 6 to 9 Eastern across the country. Best ways to listen are to go to AmericanOurRadio.com if you want to listen live or on the iHeart app. We fixed the search aspect of that, so you can just type Buck Sexton into the search bar on the iHeart radio app and all my stuff should pop up very quickly you can listen live with your smartphone anywhere in the country and if you're not listening live and you want to listen on your own time itunes great place to go to uh, download and subscribe so go to go just go to your itunes type buck sexton in the search bar look for buck sexton with america now and click subscribe i can tell you that the powers that be uh, on the syndicated radio side of things have already seen that there is a Team Buck surge, that a lot of you are subscribing to Buck Sexton with America Now. And I can't tell you, one, how happy that makes me, and two, how, how good that makes me look at this point. And it's free for you. It takes you five seconds, and you can listen to the show whenever you want. And it's the best way you can give a little vote of confidence for Team Buck. Uh, one more thing, if you wouldn't mind, a few of you listening, write a description of the podcast. They ask for review. So just write, not a description, a review. So please do write a review and just talk about the Freedom Hut and Shields High and how you like the show. 
uh, because a lot of eyes are looking at us right now, team, and the more momentum we get early on with that show, this is just going to grow, and we are going to be a force. But I need you with me, shoulder to shoulder, shields high on that. So with all that said, wanted to take an opportunity here to um, also just talk to you a bit about the latest with Chelsea Clinton. Uh, there's a great piece by Maureen Callahan. And I, like, I don't mean to be mean, but I do feel the urge these days as I look around and speak to my fellow uh, millennials. And, and there's a very clear sense among us that <laughs> there are the boomers that have cleared the path and made everything very simple for their children. And there are the rest of us who are in the struggle, who are my fellow near millennials, those of you listening who are really up into your mid-40s know exactly what I'm talking about. I know you're not technically millennials, but 10 years up or 10 years down from where I am, which would mean 25 to 45, you understand that there is a, there's been a real shift in expectations for what is possible at that stage of your career, for what is financially possible and to do for your family and, uh, and, and you know, to even have a family. For those of you who are younger, people ask me, like, why, why don't you have a family yet? I'm like, well... One, it's of course. I uh, hope you meet the right person, and I am very ple- I am very happy with Miss Molly, and everything is going fantastically in that uh, you know for in that place right now. But it's only been about seven months. So everyone needs to calm down, or eight months. Um, but we're moving. Uh, but in general, though, on the financial side of things, I have to say it is tougher now than it has been previously to get to the same place of owning a home. Uh, I mean, look at millennial home ownership. I'm not making this up. This isn't my perception. You've got a lot of people that are still living at home with their parents who are part of the boomer generation. And the boomer generation, because home values have been rising so much and because they've had the growth in the, the long-term growth in the stock market for 401ks and for anybody who has held assets over the last 30 years, meaning real estate, stock portfolios, has done very well. And all you have to do is be in the game. For those of us who are younger, everything is more expensive. Um, we haven't had the ability. People say to me, "Well, Buck, why don't you, why don't you play the markets? Play the markets? I, I got to save money to pay rent. It's not playing the markets." And we see that there's this generational difference also with retirement. It used to be that the our parents' parents' generation, a lot of whom served in the Second World War. Um, you know, the greatest generation, but they reached uh, they reached a period where they would retire. And a lot of them were on fixed income retirements, uh, meaning that they were given a, a yearly stipend that was determined you know, by their company, by their corporation, or by the government. And that's what they lived on. Uh, and it was sufficient, and they would go off in a, de- a defined benefit retirement. Now we've got 401ks. Well, defined benefit retirements have largely gone away because they're so expensive. 401ks, you've needed to be in that for the last you know, 20 or 30 years, and, and then you're fine. But if you've been in it for the last five to 10 years, you know, you got a long way to go. And a lot of people think that there could be a major market correction coming up here, where, as we saw in 2008, you could lose 30 or 40% of the value in your 401k. I don't know when that will be. I'm not trying to, gate, I'm not trying to guess the market's moves because I don't know how to do that stuff. But we recognize that there's that change as well with retirement perceptions. I mean, you look around, many of you, I'm sure, at those who are doing well in whatever community you live in, those who have made a lot of money, 
And yeah, there are some reti- there are people who are retiring, and there are people who are taking uh, stepping out of labor force entirely. But I mean, just just think about media. You know, these are people that are used to having jobs that they've worked a long time for. I mean, the people at the very top who are much older, the, the sort of Larry King effect, I like to call it. The Larry King effect applies in law. It applies now in a lot of cases in medicine. It certainly applies in media. It applies in politics. Those who have made it to a certain level don't want to give it up. They, they don't want to step aside. They have no interest whatsoever in just uh, playing golf all the time or knitting or whatever it is they want to do in their retirement. They want to keep making money. Now, part of that also, I think, is because the boomer generation expects more in retirement, expects a, a, a lifestyle in retirement that is the same as they're used to when they were working. And for those who have a pretty substantial income um, the, you know, and have assets, that means, well, why not keep working and you keep living a better lifestyle? I mean, you know, Larry King, someone like that, shows up, does the job. It's not hard. They like doing it. They make a lot of money. Why stop? Uh, so our perceptions of retirement have really changed. I want to bring on an expert soon. I can't do it today, but I'd like to bring on someone to really dig into this because I see it all over the place. Uh, you see it in the media business is particularly prevalent. I think that's because a lot of very successful media folks have just decided that they're never they're they're you're going to have to just take the take the microphone off their lapel from their cold dead hand. I mean, they're not. They're not stepping aside. They don't want to step aside, even though they've made tens of millions of dollars in some cases. Uh, you know, I, I always joke around. I'm like, I want to make it to the point where I make enough money in media that within a few years I could decide, I just don't want to do this anymore. Uh, but I think that I have to change my mentality to this is who I am and this is my life. Uh, and then when I finally, if I ever do get to a point where I'm not worried about paying the rent in a studio apartment in New York City, you know, if I ever get to that point, I won't really care. This is what I find out more and more in my career too. What you work so hard to achieve things, and it takes so long that by the time you achieve them, you have to remind yourself to be thankful. And for me, that's just even staying in the game at this point. Six years in, uh, to have a nationally syndicated radio show is beating the odds by an unbelievable margin, and yet I just know that it's an op- it's opportunity. I'm fighting just for opportunity. I'm fighting to be able to share my work with more people because I love what I do. But it's it's quite a while before I get to, you know, I, before I'm making it rain up in here, stacks on stacks on stacks. That's that's a ways away. Although, those of you who download my iTunes show at night, 6 to 9 Eastern, Buck Stacks of America Now, you are helping the stacks on stacks. Each download is helpful. Uh, it's free for you to do, but the numbers are important from the perspective of corporate, and they look and see what kind of enthusiasm Team Buck has for what I'm doing. So, sorry for the second shameless plug in the, in the same segment, but I've, you know, I gotta sell, gotta sell that, gotta sell that late night show, everybody. Not late night, but night show. So that's all changed very much, and our ability—it seems very clear to me—our ability to um, separate out, you know, retirement and. Uh, the, the financial planning, and this is different now than it used to be. And there's a lot of pressure on the generation right now that doesn't yet get Medicare or Social Security, that hasn't had assets. You know, we are hamsters on a, on a giant treadmill, my friends. Those of you listening who are 25, really 25 to 50, you are a hamster on a treadmill. Uh, you are working longer and have less access 
to the you know the upsides of the market have let if you haven't already bought a home i know a lot of you have so congrats good for you that's a it's a good move but if you haven't bought a home yet uh, the idea that the home value that you're going to buy is going to rise considerably. As we've seen, there are market corrections, and it just doesn't go up. Nothing goes up forever, right? This is, except our national debt, apparently. A separate conversation. So it's with all that, uh, that sense of struggle that the sub, uh, the sub-boomer generations are going through right now and does not get addressed nearly enough, although I do think it's a part of the appeal of Trumpism. With all of that, Someone like Chelsea Clinton, bringing us back to the beginning of our discussion here, someone like Chelsea Clinton, I find uh, very bothersome. I don't know her, so it's not personal, but she's a public person, and enough is known about her publicly that I am comfortable criticizing what she has done publicly and what she stands for. She may in person be a lovely human being, and, and I do not mean to degrade degrade her or, or, or that possibility based on everything I read and I've heard she is pretty she is pretty terrible at least publicly so I wanted to spend a little bit of time in on that I went on a rant here and I know that just happens sometimes but those of you who are 25 to 45 25 to 50 maybe you know what I'm talking about it's just oh yeah you're just gonna retire and hang out and go down to the Caribbean whenever you want go fishing go fly you know go hunting uh, play golf or tennis and just enjoy your nope you all know we're going to be work we're going to be working those of us who are sub boomer we're going to be working well into our late 70s probably into our mid 80s a lot of us a lot of us if we want to maintain the whatever lifestyle it is that you're accustomed to definitely late 70s retiring at 65 please uh, <laughs> the larry king effect hey i want to come back i'm not done yet like Larry, you're 150. Don't you think it's time to like hang it up and give it a break? Hey, I got more in me. Bring me the microphone. It's my Larry King impression. All right, we're hit a break. I'll finish this on the flip side. Stay with me. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton. Welcome back, team. Uh, as I said, please download the podcast of Buck Sexton with America Now. Just type in Buck Sexton in the iHeart, or sorry, on iTunes. Uh, also, you can listen live on the iHeart Radio app. Uh, team, I, I need you, Shields High, at my side on this one. The more those numbers go up, the more we're going to get just buzz and help and support from, from all different corners. So that's really, really useful and helpful. It means we'll even be able to uh, pitch. Uh, pitch those numbers when we talk to some additional stations that are thinking about carrying the show. So if you've been listening for a long time and you want to help, even if you're only a live listener, uh, you can download that podcast, listen as you like, and it would be helpful. So please, iTunes. I'm sure you've all got iTunes, or at least most of you do. Type in Buck Saxon. It's also on Stitcher.com, by the way. But uh, iTunes is probably the among the easiest places to go. All right, so Chelsea Clinton. So this piece in the New York Post, which I got totally diverted from, talks about how God help us if Chelsea Clinton runs for office. And I just think that she's emblematic of this part of my generation where they've been given everything. Um, and, you know, that's, as I've told you before, I've, I've looked into a, uh, my, my own bank account as somebody who had been working for years and been like, well, I have less than a month's rent in the bank and uh, my rent was not high. And that is 
all the money I have. So that's not fun. Um, but for those of us who, and I know many people like this, it's all been handed to them. The one thing they can't have is a true sense of accomplishment and the respect that comes along with that. And someone like Chelsea Clinton, who has been uh, hyper-educated, educated to a point where clearly it's an escape from having to deal with reality and the real world, and who gets $65,000 a speech for no apparent reason, who's paid $600,000 by a major TV news network, despite the fact that she is she is atrociously bad on TV. I mean, not a little bad. You could find, uh, I'd say, half the people that you'd walk past on a New York City street if you put them in front of a camera at random would do a better job on TV than Chelsea Clinton did. So she was paid $600,000 for that, as you know. Now we're being told she may be thinking about running for Congress. And I, I just want to say that it's I don't want to be mean about this. But when you show up at one hedge fund and then you show up at a fancy consulting firm and then you work for mommy and daddy's company and you're married to a hedge fund guy and you live in a $10 million apartment and you're giving $65,000 speeches, I don't really want to be lectured by you on anything because I don't think you know anything. I don't think you understand the struggle and I'm not impressed. And this isn't just Chelsea Clinton. It's anybody else who falls into this category. Look, I, I wish that I could just chill out in a hammock in St. Bart's and write novels that maybe nobody publishes, but that's not my existence. But I do know what it is to show up into a cubicle where no one cares, where no one's nice to me, and where if I mess up, I get fired. I've done that many times, and let me tell you, it is character building in the true sense of the word. I know what it's like to not be able to live in the apartment you want to live in. I know what it's like to have credit card debt that you can't pay off. I know what it's like to cash out your 401k so you can apply to grad school. Chelsea Clinton does not know what it is like to do any of those things. And that Democrats still think that by talking about social justice and whatever else, they can overcome that deficit in their personalities. I think that's ridiculous. I also want to point out that she was asked by a nine-year-old, and this is talked about in this piece, uh, she was asked a question by a nine-year-old, and she said that she could not, she says, quote, this is back in 2008, I'm sorry, I don't talk to the press, and that applies to you, even though I think you're cute. This was a nine-year-old kid reporter from Scholastic News saying this. So Chelsea Clinton and all the rest of the hyper-privileged contemporaries that I have, Buck is not impressed. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be lectured by you. And the fact that you think you should be given the levers of power in some capacity in government it should be seen by all the rest of us in the struggle as delusional, utterly and completely delusional. All right, team, great show planned for tonight, 6 to 9 Eastern on Buck Sexton with America Now. I will see you there. Shields high. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.